1: Morena, New Zealand, Uh, good morning to you all. I hope uh, Friday's going to be a good one, heading into a pretty busy weekend of uh, rugby, and that's what we're going to be talking initially, and uh, in particular, NPC rugby, because the final week of round-robin play, and uh, it's intriguing, to be fair, it's intriguing. And to talk us through it will be uh, Ben Searle, who's uh, got a podcast, Surly Talks Sports. Uh, And he's up with a play on the points table and the ramifications of all these matches. So we'll catch up with Ben in a moment or two. Uh, We'll open up the lines just after 9.30. We'll give you the opportunity to uh, chat to us about uh, NPC Rugby, about your teams, if you like, uh, or anything else. um, Of course, we've got the NRL Grand Final this weekend. uh, So we'd love to hear from you on uh, your thoughts about that as well. So that's just after 9.30 this morning. And just after 10... Uh, Ricardo yesterday uh, was able to catch up with uh, Amy Duplessis. Uh, of course, Amy is uh, part of the Black Fern squad. They're just a week away from the World Cup beginning. Uh, so uh, a nice little chat with Amy. We'll hear from her just after 10. Uh, the panel this morning will be Guy Havelt and James Regan. Uh, then after 11 o'clock, uh, we've got to focus on the NRL. We simply have to, with Lewis Brown, former Warrior Seagull, and of course the Penrith Panther as well. So a number of issues to talk with uh, Lewis about heading into that uh, fantastic uh, match. It's mouth-watering, actually, when you think deeply about it. Uh, Mark Rosanowski will be our Greyhound interview this morning, about uh, 18 minutes past 11. Uh, Then we'll have a stump smithy for 50 bucks, and we'll talk to uh, Michael Guerin about uh, the trotting action coming up over the weekend. Of course, he will be on uh, the mail run tomorrow morning too. So all about uh, those aspects of racing over the weekends, busy too. Group 1 racing at Hastings. Right, uh, let's get into it uh, with Ben Sell. here on SENZ and uh, Ben Sewell has been good enough to get into the studio. He's sitting there poised with the headphones on, microphone in front of him to talk about one of the most intriguing uh, rounds of NPC rugby that I can remember, Ben, in a long time because, you know, people were worried about this odds and evens conference and thinking, would it work, would it work this time around? Every game, we come to the last game now, every game that I look at over the weekend has real significance.
2: Yeah, it's really exciting, isn't it? There's two or three teams in both pools that still find themselves in the playoff mix, so should be another great round, and I've really enjoyed this format. I was quite critical of it at the start, and I kind of wanted to see that one-table competition that we used to have, but I think it's made for some exciting competition and a huge finish. OK, let's uh, can we look at the games, <coughs> go through them and, and the
1: significance of them tonight? Uh, first of all, it's uh, Hawke's Bay at home to Tasman. Uh, Hawkes Bay at the moment in the odds conference, so this is a crossover game, and Tasman in the uh, evens conference, uh, but both of them uh, need to win this to guarantee playoffs.
2: Yeah, I think Hawke's Bay are sitting in fifth. They're tied on points with Otago, but they're behind them on the ladder because they're one win less. So a huge game for them at home. They get Falau Katava back off the bench, so that's a big inclusion. But then I see Tasman, they've got Leicester Whangarnoku and, and Sevu Reese back as well off the bench. So a few All Blacks coming back in, and that makes this even more of a mouthwatering clash. I'm really looking forward to this one, and I think it'll be really tight. Tasman have kind of hit their straps over the last couple of weeks after a slow start. Well, for Hawke's Bay, of course, they started with everything. You know, the promise of a
1: very big chance of being title contenders. And, of course, the Ranfurly Shield. Uh,
2: and now they're looking, staring down the barrel of neither. Yeah, just a few weeks or even a month ago, you would have said that they were cemented in playoffs rugby. But now they might miss out. So it's pretty crazy how quickly things can change.
1: It is, actually. Um, there's some fascinating as matchups, as we said, over the weekend. Um, Wellington, top of the table. Um, and uh, they're not guaranteed. At this point, they're not absolutely guaranteed, um, of uh, of topping the table because uh, Bayer Plenty are sitting behind them Waikato are sitting behind them so their match against counties Monaco is crucial as well and for counties uh, the season is over but that won't stop them playing
2: Yeah I think they'll want to spoil the Lions party obviously they're playing some great footy at the moment I didn't expect that scoreline against Waikato. I thought it was going to be a lot closer and many people gave them a good chance to go down and pull away the old log of wood but it wasn't to be and I've really been enjoying watching guys like Ruben Love A and Morgan just run the cutter for them they're young footballers but they've both got massive futures so yeah I I like this Wellington side I think they'll be real title contenders
1: Yeah, I do too Uh, for counties it's been a little bit disappointing fair to say
2: yeah I thought they had a great start to the season but they've kind of really tapered off and we've seen a lot of these top sides kind of get a few players back in the mix as well which has helped them counties they've kind of battled away but yeah a a hot start and unfortunately (laughs) results haven't gone their way as of late
1: Right, uh, one of the real crucial clashes Both uh, pl- uh, teams are in the, the odd, odds conference And that of course is uh, the newly named Bay The Bay of Plenty of course The Bay, they deserve that right um, And they are away across the road to uh, Waikato uh, Bay of Plenty at this point sit on 32 points Waikato 31 Wow, what an intriguing encounter this one is
2: Yeah, and it was made even more exciting by that midweek loss to Northland, wasn't it? I think Bay of Plenty kind of rested a few troops targeting this weekend's game, but that may come back to bite them a little bit. Dan Hawkins steps up. Not the prettiest technique on the eyes, but he slotted it over the black dot, and that was a huge win for Northland's hopes as well. But yeah, this is a huge match-up. Two fierce rivals, both from the Chiefs' conference, so I think this will be a great game. I think Luke Jacobson's back for Waikato, so that'll be a huge inclusion, but I expect the Bay of Plenty to go up there and give them a good shot.
1: Okay, so what about the influence of Damien McKenzie on Waikato's season? How have you been impressed there?
2: Yeah I think we've seen with these guys coming back from Japan it's taken them a few weeks to kind of readjust back into the New Zealand way of footy so I think we've seen that a bit with him I still think he's a 15 in my opinion but at the same time if he is going to play 10 I'd like to see him stick there for the next kind of period because he just needs time in the saddle to readjust but he's always dangerous when he gets the ball in hand I would just like to see him a bit more one-on-one in open space.
1: Would you say, would you consider him for the all- Black tour to the north or would you say he's more an all- Black 15s type
2: candidate? I'm, I'm worried personally that old Stephen is going to unfortunately miss out and I think Damian McKenzie might take his spot, which would be a bit harsh, of course. Stephen got all of 10 seconds, so he's hardly done anything wrong and he had a massive super rugby campaign. But we always hear from these all-black selectors, they love that versatility that these players can bring and I think Damian McKenzie ticks that 10-15 box maybe a bit more than Perifetta, so I think he might find his way in. But both are quality footballers. I'd personally like to see Stephen be rewarded for his loyalty and his form throughout both Super Rugby and his limited opportunities at MPC. Right,
1: OK, well, we might uh, have a little chat about other prospects for the, the, the All Blacks coming straight out of NPC as well shortly if uh, we can, Ben, but uh, let's get on to uh, a few more of these matches, which uh, crucial. Otago uh, sit at this stage just above Hawke's Bay in the odd, odds conference in Canterbury, way out in front, uh, of course, guaranteed home advantage and everything because of such a wonderful season that they've had. But they have to go down under the roof in Dunedin. How do you see this one going as a local derby?
2: Yeah I think this will be an interesting game because there is the potential that Canterbury perhaps rest a few players, obviously you mentioned they've locked it up, they're well out in front so maybe Matt Todd gives a few younger guys a crack and that would open up the door for Otago so I think Hawke's Bay will be hoping that Canterbury roll out their strongest side so they can get the win but yeah Otago at home never an easy beat and I think they've got plenty to play for so they'll be tough.
1: Auckland, uh, Taranaki, Auckland started the season with uh, a lot of promise at the moment, they're third, they're 16 points behind Canterbury, they got beaten by Canterbury last weekend of course, Canterbury unearthing some uh, more talent off that uh, production line, Uh, but uh, Auckland play uh, Taranaki this weekend and if I had to pick a
2: side which has surprised me in terms of performance, it's probably Taranaki. Yeah, of course, going into the season, I think everyone had high hopes for them. They were the main campaigners for this one competition format, so hasn't played out the way they've seen it. Stephen Perafeta back in the 10 jersey this week. He makes a massive difference, and I think they're only one of their only wins of the season against Wellington, he was starting in that 10 jersey, so he's the man to lead them round the park. But Auckland with a few guys back in the mix as well, RTS, Angus Ta'Aval, I think they'll be too good, but in saying that, they've hardly been as convincing as I thought. They would have been.
1: Yeah, well, they ha- they have to win this because uh, they've got Tasman breathing down their necks. There's so much on this game tonight. Tasman get up and beat Hawks Bay. Auckland are under pressure because the next one we want to talk about is Northland, who are having one heck of a season. Uh, they are just in fifth spot now, and they're only two points behind Tasman. If Tasman were to win, uh, that makes the Auckland game important in terms of Northland going over the top because they they play a, what you would imagine as a banker. They play a banker match and they play against Manawatu who can't take a trick this year. And they play them at home as well.
2: Yeah, I think the best thing for Northland is they'll know their fate heading into this game so they'll know exactly what they need to do. You've got to feel sorry for the Turbos. You never like to see a team go winless so obviously there's a few things they need to sort out down there but I've been really impressed with Northland. I think Josh Morby's been a massive recruit for, recruit for them at the back and it's good to see him back from injury and they just play an exciting brand of footy so it's good to see them in the quarterfinals mix and no doubt that'll please the local diehard Tanifa supporters as well. Well, they're going to get a feast of rugby
1: shortly because they've got um, half the Women's World Cup being played on their back doorstep too. So uh, they're pretty lucky in that regard. Um, And uh, the other game we should uh, talk about because that also has significance. Uh, Southland, of course, have had a pretty average sort of season. They would have wanted more and they started promisingly, I've I've got to say, but they've just drifted off the pace. Uh, North Harbour uh, really would like to win this one because it guarantees them to stay in second spot. uh, And that, of course, comes with advantages.
2: Yeah, North Harbour's my side, so I won't lie, I'm a patriotic harbour fan, so hopefully they can go down there and get the job done. I think they've only lost the one game at home this season, and they've been the surprise package for a lot of people. Obviously that back three's extremely dangerous, Mark Talia, Tevita Lee, Sean Stevenson, and then Bryn Gatlin, probably in career best form, he's carried that over from Super Rugby, so I think they've surprised a few people, and there'll be a few teams not wanting to play them come finals footy. No, exactly right. Um, you're right, uh, Bryn Gatlin's been a good general for them. Yeah, massively. And I think he's just really come on in leaps and bounds and it'll be interesting post-World Cup. We know a lot of players are probably going to depart our shores. If a guy like him can hang around and keep up this type of form, he might get a reward in a couple seasons' times with a black jersey. OK, well, it
1: brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. Out of the NPC... I know it's a level below Super Rugby, um, two levels below international rugby. But is there anyone from your point of view, outside Damian McKenzie, who you think that the All Black selectors may take a good long look at? In fact, they'll, they'll probably be keeping a, a pretty close eye on the next couple of weeks of this competition, I would think.
2: Yeah, I think the two halfbacks who were probably unlucky in many people's opinion to miss out on that initial squad, your TJ Perenara, Brad Weber. I think they're constantly putting their hands up. I'm really interested in this All Blacks 15 side that'll go over on that Northern Tour as well because I think there's going to be a large majority of NPC players making up that team. Your guys like your Ruben Loves, maybe even Sean Stevenson, players like that on the fringe, Makai Tu'u, there's some strong players out there going around in this competition. Even your Kenny Naholos, He's a young man who's had a bad run with injury, he's had a few bad knee reconstructions but he's an exciting winger as well so lots of talent out there and I think the All Blacks selectors will be impressed with the level of footy.
1: So um, you mentioned uh, quite a few individuals, would you have any idea how many um, All Blacks are going back into um, NPC Rugby in the next week or two?
2: Oh, off the top of my head, I think this week there's around five or six going in. They're they're the guys that we haven't seen much action of. So obviously Roger Tuivasa, Sheik, etc. But hopefully come quarterfinal time, we get a few more in. And saying that, though, it can really change the competition. So the likes of Tasman and that could get huge numbers back. And all of a sudden, they'd probably become favourites. I was just thinking, what about in the hooking role?
1: I know Cody Taylor redeemed himself with a pretty good performance last weekend in the Bledisloe Cup, but...
2: Uh, Asafa Omoa, where do you see him at? Yeah it's an interesting one, obviously he slid down the pecking order, it was good to see he's just re-signed for another couple of years, so obviously the All Black selectors have given him some kind of hope and faith that he'll be in the mix. I still like Kurt Eklund, I think off the back of his Super Rugby campaign, he probably jumped to Safo Amua, but we've just got so much depth there at the moment, I think Samusoni takiaho has been arguably our best forward, if not our best player throughout this Rugby Championship, so he's kind of leapfrogged everyone, Cody Taylor probably in that second rank now. And then you'd have to say it would be your Coles, your Almore, your Eklund battling out for that third position. There'll be a lot
1: of punters out there uh, listening, Ben, so we better go through your choices uh, for the weekend uh, on the back of, uh, of course, uh, you, you, the homework you've been doing on this competition, so uh, let's go through them. Uh, counties, Manukau hosting Wellington? Uh, Wellington, 13 plus probably, unfortunately. Okay, Wellington 13 plus. Uh, Waikato,
2: Bay of Plenty? Oh, I'll go Waikato, one to twelve though. One to twelve, Waikato, right? Otago hosting Canterbury. I'm going to go the upset. I'll go Otago. I think Canterbury might rest a few. Right. Okay. Well, that had massive
1: significance uh, in the odds conference. That really will. Uh, Hawks Bay v Tasman tonight.
2: I'll go the home side. Your your boys, the Hawks Bay. The Hawks Bay margin close. Yeah, one to twelve, I think. One to twelve, yeah. Southland, North Harbour. You'll have to pick your boys. Yeah. yeah, thirteen plus, of course. Take, put the eye patch on. Thirteen plus at North Harbour, uh, Auckland, Taranaki. I'll go the home side again.
1: Auckland, probably close though. One to twelve. One to twelve, and uh, finally uh, Northland, comfortable over Manawatu.
2: Yeah, I think that one could be a cricket score. Unfortunately for turbos fans. So yeah, Northland, thirteen plus cool mate um so how can we get hold of you on your podcast yeah podcast and instagram just surly talk sport surly talk sport
1: hey mate thank you very much for taking the time to come into the studio appreciate your thoughts and your picks for this weekend we'll see how they go we'll probably touch base before the finals as well ben thank you very much
2: legend really appreciate it yeah cheers, uh, Ben Sewell there
1: with us folks uh, in the studio and uh, with his picks and his uh, thoughts about uh, the NPC I, I'm amazed at how just how good the competition has turned out Like a lot of people, you know, we've been living through so many changes in the NPC in the terms of the format over the years Remember Neil Barnes was uh, furious about it uh, The promotion, relegation side of things had disappeared New Zealand Rugby sat down once again and came up with this odds and evens conference type format uh, and when you consider you go down to the last round and every single match has significance, you'd have to say it's a success. Would you not? It's a good thing to talk about. Uh, 0800 after 9.30. How do you judge and how do you rate this NPC competition? Um, I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it because uh, a lot of the matches, with the exception of a couple of teams, a lot of the matches you actually tune and you think, I don't know how it's going to go today. Isn't isn't that the essence of a good competition? 9.21 here on SENZ. Thanks very much to Ben Searle. We'll be back shortly.
3: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
1: Yes, uh, and it's 9.26 here on SCNZ. in the mornings. Uh, just heard from uh, Ben Searle about uh, the uh, MPC uh, this weekend. It's basically a playoff weekend, even though it's the last round of uh, round-robin competition. And, uh, yeah, odds and evens. Uh, Ricardo, you... You think probably could, we could move past odds and evens?
4: Yeah, it just felt to me like that's a great idea when you're planning the competition. You know, it's you've got your piece of A4 paper and you're writing jotting down the ideas and you jot down odds and evens, but it doesn't feel like something you should go forward with to launch the competition off the back of. I thought, you know, being New Zealand Rugby Union, there's commercial opportunities there, uh, or you could even... You know, maybe acknowledge a couple of former greats. I mean, why not have a a Jerry Collins conference and a Jonah Lomu conference or something along those lines
1: yeah i I run with that I think that's an outstanding idea bearing in mind, of course, we have the uh, Brian Lahore and Colin Mead's uh, trophies uh, in heartland rugby. Oh, I think that's phenomenal and, and I, I I do honestly um I agree with you. I think when they nutted it out and they looked at how they were going to work it mathematically. Odds and evens came up well as an idea, and they probably just ran with it. Uh, But if they thought a little bit deeper about it, uh, I think that's a a pretty good concept. So there's uh, an opportunity too. You can text us on double eight double three. The two conferences uh, in the NPC, Uh, who would you like to see them named after, if that was to be the case? uh, Give us a call too on 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, um, just after 9.30 as well. So uh, there's that to talk about. Um, And, uh, yeah, what about this weekend for you, Uh, Ricardo? What's going to catch your eye? Is it
4: NRL? Is it NPC? What is it? Yeah, definitely the NRL grand final. Um, I'm a Parramatta fan, Uh, Smithy. Have been since I was a kid. You know, back in the day when we only really had... Uh, you know that one uh John Macbeth used to front that show on us on a Sunday afternoon and you'd get highlights of uh the n r l grand final about a week later and when I was a kid, it seemed to be every year it was the eels and the and the dogs going head to head and I just was captivated with the sight of the flying blonde locks of uh, Peter Sterling making breakaways and Brett Kenny off his shoulder and so I was always a always a Parramatta Eels fan uh, and last time they won it I was 14 so it's been a long time between drinks so I just turned 50 so that that puts it into perspective so I'll be looking forward to Sunday night
1: <laughs> Alright, okay, got you there um, Text just coming from Ken, Smithy Bunnings Cup has been one of the best in years, think uh, Auckland will be up there over the Naki. I uh, will be there. Hopefully Hawke's Bay knock over Tasman and Southland could cause Harbour a few problems down there. Uh, that is from Ken. Uh, so, yeah, there's genuine interest. I've always liked... You know I've liked about this uh, competition is that... You, you morning, feel Joey. close to it? Uh, what do you want to I, I, think, I think you feel uh, really, really close to it, Ricardo. You, you can... You sort of associate with it. Um, they, they ran a uh, promotion about it. You show your true colours there for a while. Uh, and that was always about... Um, The level of rugby that I guess we sort of have a
4: relationship with. Yeah, it feels more tribal, doesn't it? I mean, it's easier. It's easier to feel uh, to identify with Auckland or North Harbour or Bay of Plenty or Canterbury than. Uh, hurricanes or Blues or whatever it happens to be, I feel uh, you know, and and it kind of, or maybe it's an age thing as well, Smithy. You know, that was the, that was you know, sort of Super Rugby came around when I was in my mid twenties, and so I'd always yep. followed my uh, the national provincial championship team, which for me was Auckland growing up because I was born and bred in Auckland, and so it, it does feel a bit more real on that front. And, uh, you know, it's I mean, it quite cool too. You know, Ben Searle that we just had in, he plays uh, Prems for Northcote in the North Harbour competition. So he's gone head-to-head and played against Bryn Gatlin, who plays for Taka. Uh, you know, and we've t- we have talked about that. I had him on uh, last week uh, talking rugby and just getting that insight as well. And, you know, just how dyed in the Wool Harbour he is. He's kind of grown up in, in, in that whole North mm. Harbour conference, which, you know, for you and I, I mean, we remember when they were introduced into the third division and Frano who was trying to steer the ship and get them promoted to the first division back in the day.
1: That's correct. Uh, it's an interesting point you make, actually, because that's our generation, right? And I'm I'm another generation past you. Um, and we were brought up on, on that type of level of rugby. Oh, What about today, though? Uh, the youngsters today that have been brought up on the Hurricanes and the Blues, the Chiefs, Crusaders, and the Highlanders, as opposed to those individual provinces, Uh, I just wonder what the feeling is in
4: in that kind of area. Yeah, well that's, I mean, maybe that's part of what we saw reflected with Wellington having 3,000 people turn up for that first shield defence, so there was a caller that we had on uh, last week when we were talking about last Sunday who said that he was there, he was one of the 3,000, desperately disappointed at the size of the crowd, but he looked around and he went, everybody was 50 and above pretty much. Hmm.
1: Demographic, eh? The yeah. demographic. So I've got to uh, somehow um, catch those younger people by the sounds of it, particularly down in the Wellington area. Right, it's uh, 9.31, as I said. You can call us uh, now if you like, 0800 150811. In the meantime, it's uh, time for some news with Karen.
5: Talk back time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's 50 dollars Chemist Warehouse voucher. 800 Oh eight hundred
1: one five oh eight eleven. Right, uh, first up this morning we've got uh, Joey from Auckland. Good morning, Joey. Uh, Auckland got a big uh, game this weekend against uh, Taranaki.
6: Yeah, guys, Smithy. Yeah, we should go okay against uh, Taranaki. You know, I, I think um, the odds and evens is, is good, but I think everyone should play each other, Smithy, and then and you have the, the top two going to the final, and then you go all the way down, second, uh, third, and fourth. So on and so on, but when you when you go down, so even the bottom two teams are playing for um, money, you know, bigger money. So they might be playing for twenty thousand dollars. The top teams could be playing for you know whatever it is. So then the you know even if you come to if you come down the bottom, there's still a challenge there for you. Whereas at the moment, um, the odds and evens, you, you don't think you play everyone, and I just think everyone should play everyone, and then the top two play each other, and, and it goes from, from there downwards. But, I mean, it's been a great competition, without a doubt. And also, too, just quickly with the Ranfilly Shield, um, I, I like seeing it um, in places like Hawks Bay and, and say, Manawatu and and uh, even Otago and that, because it, when it comes to Auckland and um, and Wellington and that, so they, we don't get the crowds there. You know, you, the 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 sides like like if counties got it, they get a massive crowd. is we just don't don't seem to go there. They might get another thousand if that's the case, and if Auckland get it, or, or even North Harbour would probably get get a few. But um, you know, that, that's just how it is. And when when it was down there, you guys were getting like eight thousand to a game, mm. and that's fantastic.
1: Why do you think what that you is think? in the big cities? Why do you think that is, Jay?
6: Oh, so there's just so much to do, and and it's and it's on Sky, and there's so much to do around around Auckland. And that I know there's so much to do in other places, but I think people, to be honest too, are more more passionate. I mean, I'm a passionate rugby and rugby league man, and just sporting man, as you probably know. But um, mm. you know, there's so much so much things going on in Auckland and everything, and it's just um, the days are gone. I mean, I grew up when Grant Fox and and, and we had the Shield. Era, you know, with Michael Jones and all those guys, and and the Wettons and that, and I mean, at Eden Park on a Wednesday, you get you get eighteen thousand people, and you'd see guys that are supposed to be at work, you know, in the crowd. I mean, it, it, it was just fantastic. But those days are gone, unfortunately, and and that's just yeah. just, just just part of uh, part of life.
1: I I, I you know? tend to agree with you, and I'm I'm not quite sure how the marketing gurus are going to get them back. To be perfectly honest, I I, I really don't. Uh, Joey, thanks for those thoughts. Um, uh, good luck to Auckland this weekend. Uh, I think we'll stay in Auckland too, and and uh, speak to Steve. Good morning, Steve.
7: Yeah, Martinez Smithy. Really always good to hear you on the radio, mate. Um, listen, there were probably more people at Eden Park yesterday for Willie's Willie Losse's, uh send off yesterday, which was, I got to say, was just to your listeners out there, was absolutely beautiful. Some beautiful, beautiful speakers, Sir Graham Henry and um, also you know Ken Rabin, Sir Michael Jones, just a to name a name a few, so they had the nights there, mate. So uh, he certainly packed a lot into 55 years. In uh, rest and peace, big fella. And given that you're talking about the NPC, um, I, I'll always think about Willie when I um, when I watch NPC games moving forward, Smithy.
8: Um,
7: just on, on Ben, 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 Still, um, mate. Worked with Ben for a, for a few years, and uh, I remember him kicking a Ricardo might remember this. He put a clutch kick over for North Coast to beat uh, uh, Takapuna in the North Harbour final uh, a few years ago as well and uh, it was an easy kick but you've still got to kick those and um, just my third point is just uh, primarily on um, on the uh, on the NPC really enjoyed it but um, I, I just want to highlight some players that I hope they look at for um, this New Zealand A side and I'm going to be a little bit biased I'm going to start with my Far my team and I've got to say go the bay tonight Smithy um, I'll start with Josh Morby but a real unsung hero of Northern this year has actually been Rob Rush who's the son of and um, Rob in the space of the year has just transformed himself and he's a big, big loose forward six four, six five, and just physical as the day is long so I've been really impressed with him but a few others that have really um, impressed me as well um, Cam Roigard, halfback from uh, uh, Counties Manukau, Fino, the number 8 also from uh, Waikato and a boy from down your neck of the woods, uh, Thompson the hooker. Gee, we don't have a sizable hooker like this. Usually it's the South Africans and the English and the French that have the big number two rakes. But they've been. Um, he's. I think he's just. He's just somebody. I reckon you should. Should basically take on a tour like that, and also got a lot of time for Sean Stevenson as well, Smithy. Um, I know there's a bit to unpack there, but what do you think?
1: I like, uh, I like all those players that you've mentioned, um, and I, I seriously do hope that they are, uh, and I believe they will be, uh, the guts of the All Black 15. And, and I think that's, I think that uh, players who have had terrific NPC form, as you've uh, highlighted there, Steve, deserve some sort of recognition, um, and that is, this is an ideal opportunity for that, to wear a silver fern. They're not going to be classed as All Blacks, but uh, to have that opportunity to play... Uh, against an Irish side, and then of course the Barbarians. I think would be a wonderful reward for a, a terrific season. So I, I, I perceive that that side is going to be quite strong. I also uh, thank you very much for your sentiments about Willie. Uh, Willie, as the, uh, you know, Willie uh, is is always going to be remembered for his passion for rugby at all levels. But boy, did he love uh, the NPC level. He really did. Um, he was so passionate about it, and I'm so pleased that um, he got such a massive crowd. I I saw um, I saw some of it because I was actually working on air at the time when it started, but I did manage to catch up with some of it um, by the website, and it just looked a, v- a fantastic and very moving yeah. ceremony with a, a little bit of hu- a little bit of humour in there as well, which was uh, was Willie.
7: Yeah, absolutely, certainly packed a lot on for fifty five. I'll just quickly get this in for big unions. My message to both Auckland and Wellington. Take your games out to the community. We, you know, we saw a game earlier this year when they took up North and Wellington out to Jerry Collins Stadium. Get your local clubs involved. That's what you need to do. Take it back to the, the, the community. Listen, I know there's a lot of commercial reasons why you stay at the big stadiums, your sponsors, et cetera, et cetera, but you can still look after them at a smaller ground. For example, Auckland, you've got Arena Fitness, out, Arena Stadium out here in, uh, in, in West Auckland. That's a boutique little stadium, man, it'll look good with a six or 7,000 people packed in, as opposed to Wellington with a whole lot of yellow seats and Auckland with a whole lot of empty
1: seats. Got to go, Smithy. Cheers, Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoyed your call. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Kerry, Kerry from uh, the Manawar 2. As such, uh, Kerry, not a season that you'd be thrilled with as a, su- uh, a supporter of Turbo's rugby, but they'll be back.
9: Well, that's hope, Smithy, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, R.I.P. to Willie though. He'll be his voice will be missed. Um, yeah, he was he was shabby.
10: good
11: good
9: for the game. Um, yeah, on the shield thing, um, not the man or two are going to come close to getting the shield for a little bit, I wouldn't think. But if they had got it, I, I know um, they would definitely get a good crowd. And, and even if you imagine if South Canterbury had beaten Hawks Bay this year, mm-hmm. imagine the crowd. That, that they would have got. It would have been unreal. But just on the New Zealand 15 team, um, that's going to cost a lot of money for that team to go over there and only play two games. Surely the likes of Harlequins or um, Saracens, or you know they can have a, a Club 15 turn up as well. And I, I do believe that the likes of TJ Perinara shouldn't be on it. Um, it's got to be a building 15 because... Well, we're
1: going to have a few All Blacks leave finish after the World Cup, but yeah, you know, I just think it's a lot of money to go for two games. I'm with, I'm with you. Um, it is. It is um, a lot of expenditure. <coughs> yeah, I, I think okay. it's a very good no, point, go Gary. Again. And, and I, okay. I and I do agree with you, you that it, yeah. yeah, oh, cost a fortune, absolute yeah. fortune. Um, been interested to yeah, see what f- they fly, oh. whether whether they fly uh, economy or. Uh, business class Um, interesting to note that the I've uh, read an article uh, this morning and uh, it's clearly stated that the English women's team um, who are number one seeds and uh, just a brilliant performing side will fly all the way to New Zealand this weekend economy Um, and the rugby union uh, in England have basically said they are a loss-making proposition at this stage Um, so instead of flying them business class we will put that money into more support groups behind them uh, when they get to the tournament so we'll bolster up their, their backroom staff etc rather than fly them business class so uh, interesting article yeah. actually. It's written by uh, Patrick McKendry very very interesting indeed um it's uh, time yeah. have we got time for Zaid yeah thank thanks very much Kerry um and thanks and have a great weekend uh, Zaid g'day. Zaid how are you mate
8: it yeah, got a few quick points if that's all right um, I've, yep. seen some I've seen some incident in the NFL The Dolphins aren't favourites After winning three games in a row Which has been interesting um, Auckland should be Taranaki If you don't be Taranaki Then you don't deserve to make of in the playoffs um, It'll be a bit surprising if Tasman don't make it After being in the last three finals in a row But um, that's after Hawks Bay tonight But uh, you'd say Tasman should win But apparently it's not easy to win Hawks Bay um, A team that's not getting talked about too much is the Braves starting this weekend, Smithy. Um, they were up to the horrible last year. We've got the um, NRL final, um, which is going to be absolutely, um, hopefully, a good game, but I think Panthers make be too easy. And um, Tyson Fury still wants to fight Anthony Joshua, but I think, um, I think Joshua's a bit scared of getting knocked out by Tyson Fury.
1: Yeah, I think there's a bit of a fear factor there. Um, <laughs> he certainly uh, wouldn't be the... Uh, they'd be well rewarded financially, uh, Zaid, whoever takes on Tyson Fury. So you, you wouldn't think that would be too much of a factor. But he's a hell of a man. And interesting, uh, the point about the breakers as well. Tom Abercrombie, I just see, can't fly for seven weeks. Cannot fly yeah, for seven that. weeks because of that eye surgery. So that's a massive blow for them, mate. What, what are you looking forward to most, the NRL final? Probably, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's
8: a new young French kid for the breakers this year as well, as an um Rupan,
1: Rupan or something, Rupier, Rupier, his name is, yeah, Uh, Yeah. expected to be uh, in the first draft next year, yeah. Yeah,
8: that's what they reckon, yeah, he should be in the NBA, but uh, we've got a few new American guys, but Melbourne United's not going to be an easy first up game, they're usually pretty good Melbourne, so it
1: would be interesting, but yeah. Okay, Zaid. have a terrific weekend, Uh, all the best for your uh, Auckland team. Uh, It is 9.46 here on SENZ. Uh, We'll take a break, and uh, thank you very much for the calls, and the boys will make a decision on the Chemist Warehouse voucher and let you know in due course.
3: He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Yes, and just uh, hearing that uh, ad from the Fox during the break there, uh, you've got a quadruple reason to go down to the Fox this afternoon. Uh, Staff and uh, Sam Hewitt will be there from midday onwards uh, with their show live at the Fox and the Viaduct, uh, and then, uh, taking over from them, of course, will be, uh, Kim Downs and Stephen Donald, Kim and Beeve, um, as they take uh, their show there as well. They were on the road, uh, last week, I think at, uh, the All Blacks, um, experience, and now this week, uh, they are on the road again, uh, just down the road, uh, to the Fox and the Viaduct. So, if you're passing by, pop in and say hello to Steph and Sam and Kim and, uh, Beaver as well. Good people, don't be scared of them, and uh, they might even shout you a drink out of the budget, the huge budget that we've got here. It is uh, 9.52 here on SENZ uh, smithy in the States. They have the East-West Conference. Could we have a North-South in the NPC? South cut off the line uh, could be above Wellington or something like that. Mikey G, interesting Mikey. Um, I'm sure that's a possibility. Although when you one of the, the things that they've fluked in the odds evens, which is called at the moment, is they've kind of found uh, parity in the teams because of their positions on the table last year. Uh, and if you did split it geographically, you might lose some of that. Uh, I'm the next generation down and uh, love the NPC, but only thing stops me going is the grounds. I like to see them play, but at the big grounds. For example, in Christchurch, they should play at Rugby Park. Now, Rugby Park, of course, is a great venue. That's um, uh, where the Canterbury women's team play. They uh, The grandstands seem uh, always pretty full and well attended, uh, underused. Uh, I know it's a training facility for some, but... Uh, I like that concept, I really do Goose um, good idea, uh, we'll have uh, more of those throughout uh, the morning, uh, plenty of opinion coming in and don't forget uh, our text number temper bedpost text machine double eight double three double eight double three. your thoughts on the NPC, we're great to hear from you, it is
3: 9.53 Summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. you got to know
8: when to hold up, know when to fold Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run.
5: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
1: Well, we got one up yesterday, uh, thankfully. Uh, the Yankees did beat the Blue Jays comfortably. Uh, Jensen Brooksby uh, did beat uh, Sun Won Kwon in straight sets in the tennis in Seoul. And Rory McIlroy was uh, four under the card, and Nicholas Holgard uh, was uh, just one under the card, so he whipped him as well. So we got up at $3.70. So our multi for this weekend. Uh, I'm going to go Buller. Buller to beat King Country, Heartland Rugby at $1.70. I'm going uh, Waikato to beat uh, The Bay at uh, $1.55 tomorrow in Hamilton. Uh, I'm also going to go uh, the Panthers to beat the Eels. I think that's uh, pretty much a given according to everyone, although we'll hear from uh, Lewis Brown after 11 o'clock. He might have uh, slightly different ideas on that, but I'll take the $1.36 head-to-head at the moment. Money pouring in at the TAB apparently for the Panthers. Uh, And then I'll go to uh, the North London derby uh, between Arsenal and Tottenham, and I shall pick the draw. I shall pick the draw there between Arsenal and Tottenham at $3.50. Multied up. So that's the draw, into Buller into Waikato, into the Panthers, $12.54. Get $10 worth of that and pick the bones out of it. That would be pretty special, wouldn't it? Uh, right, uh, we're going to head inside the Blackfern camp. After the break, speak to Amy Duplessis. World Cup, one week, one day away. It's time to get really serious. News coming up with Karen.
3: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Well, Rugby Women's World Cup is nearly upon us. It is uh, just uh, eight days away. And, uh, of course, uh, on uh, Saturday, the 8th of October, New Zealand will be part of a triple header at Eden Park and they will be taking on Australia, a side they know pretty well. Uh, But uh, it's pretty much an exciting time for everyone involved uh, under Wayne Smith's uh, new tutelage, uh, getting the the side back up after a a pretty average tour to the north at the end of last year. Uh, They've certainly uh, turned it around in terms of results thus far, and uh, it's been pretty good to watch. Uh, One of the members of that uh, side is Amy Duplessis, and uh, yesterday Amy was uh, good enough to uh, give Ricardo some of her time, on a a number of aspects leading into the World Cup.
4: on SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo talking to Amy Duplicy, one of the Black Ferns, getting ready to kick off the Rugby World Cup in just eight days' time. Amy, how are the nerves?
12: Oh, yeah. um, I'm pretty excited, actually. Um, I know that I'll be very nervous um, when we get close to our first game, but um, yeah, we've got a real positive vibe in our um, team, and yeah, I can't wait to get out there and um, play alongside such amazing athletes.
4: It's going to be a great World Cup uh, here, having it on our, on our own uh, back doorstep, of course, um, but I'd like to, uh, you know, it'd be great if it was uh, closer, I, I guess, to the rest of the country as well. I mean, I, I suppose that's one thing. I mean, I know you're uh, you're from down south, I grew up in Invercargill, you play rugby now in Canterbury. It'd be nice to have a couple of games down there too, wouldn't it?
12: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty special that it's at home, but obviously um, I think it would have been really cool if we could have had a few games around New Zealand, even maybe just in the big cities, so it wasn't the easiest for families to travel. Um, but, you know, we can't really complain too much. We've got it on home um, and I know our families will do their best to come and be a part of what a special campaign it's going to be.
4: Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic tournament. And I guess... For you guys, uh, familiar opposition, first game up as well. Um, It is the the last game on the Saturday, the uh, the next Saturday at Eden Park against uh, the old foe, the Wallaroos. You guys know each other pretty well.
12: Yeah, um, this is our fourth time playing them this year, but each time we've played them, they've definitely gotten a lot better and um, I think the competition has been a lot better. So, you know, we can't take them lightly and I know it's going to be a tough match, um, but we're just going to do everything we can to be the best um, that we can be and put out the best performance.
4: The uh, I mean the Wallaroos. You, you obviously you touched them up uh, in their first game of the Laurie O'Reilly. Uh, the second game over in Adelaide uh, was a bit closer. There were a few changes made. Um, how do you compare the two games, and what do you think is going to be closer to what we'll see at Eden Park?
12: Yeah, I guess um, you know at that point in time we're still selecting the team, and so coaches want to give players a go. Um, but I also think there's other factors that contributed to that. You know, we it's been a massive year of rugby, and people were fatigued and things, but. Um, yeah, I think um, this game, you know, is a home World Cup first opening game. Um, there's so much to play for. So I think there won't be any excuses. We're going to go out there and um, be yeah, extremely proud and ready to represent our country with pride. Now you've obviously
4: uh, come into the squad more recently uh, and you're getting to play under Wayne Smith. What's that experience been like?
12: Well, wow, it's been incredible. Um, he's an amazing person, Um He's helped this team so much and he's um, taking us to a space that we've never been before. So, yeah, we're truly grateful to have someone like him um, in this campaign and coaching us to be the best we can be, um, players and athletes. So, yeah, it's been a huge honour and we can't wait to see what um, we produce during the World Cup.
4: The messages from him, I know that I don't think you went on the end of year tour last year, did you? Where, where obviously there, there were, No. A few, yeah, there were a few issues there. So maybe you are not best placed to comment on this. But in terms of the type of rugby the Black Ferns are now playing, I mean you would have watched the Black Ferns on that Northern tour versus been involved now. How do you see that it has evolved? Yeah, I
12: just think we're playing with a lot more freedom Um our, our game is um, a lot more defensive and. Smitty is a real real key for making sure that we just express ourselves. So we're wanting to play um, on top rugby, coming forward, um, creating blurs, just making sure that, um, yeah, we're playing expensive and playing what's in front of us.
4: What about the? Uh, you know, you had the two games against Australia. Then you played Japan last weekend. Uh, ended up blowing them them out uh, pretty comfortably. Uh, what did? What could you take away from that? And what was the message from Wayne before you ran out for that game? What did he want to see you guys achieve?
12: Yeah, well, we were really stoked with our performance. Um, Japan were a really good team, and um, reviewing them, you know, they had some um, awesome strengths. Um, but for us, we just wanted to take it up the middle, suck them in, and then go wide. And I think we did that extremely well. And um, we also wanted to keep the ball alive and look for those offloads. And I think that was one of our best games to do that. So, yeah, we're just really proud of um, the way we've um, executed skill sets on the field when we come into games like that.
4: It feels like the pace of the game is what's really changed and it seems to be a lot faster. I guess, you know, looking at those bigger teams in the Northern Hemisphere, the English and the French who gave us problems at the end of last year, uh, it's about taking away from their strengths, which may be the physicality and running them around the park a bit more. I know that's a generalisation but is that close to where where we're sort of heading as a team? Oh,
12: absolutely. Um, We've got really um, athletic, mobile forwards and some awesome fast backs. So yeah, our goal is to um, you know be the fittest team in the competition but also have the strongest team. So, yeah, we've definitely worked super hard on that this year and hopefully we can, um, yeah, prove that.
4: Yeah, I mean, you talk about having some great backs. I mean, I know that you normally play with a 13 on your back. It uh, must be pretty good to see a Ruby Tui or a Porsche Woodman looming on your shoulder every time you get the ball.
12: Oh, absolutely. I'm just in awe with the amount of um, amazing athletes and people that are in this team and to play Alongside the likes of Portia, Ruby, Stace, um, you know, and then I've got Renee Holmes, a young girl like me. um, Just, yeah, just an absolute awe to be able to do this with those amazing people.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, scored uh, a ton of points against the Japanese. And that was a Japanese team. I know people will look at it and go, 95 12, what does the team get out of that? But that is a Japanese team that had beaten Australia earlier this season. What do you think you guys got out of that now you look back on it?
12: Oh, absolutely. There's always lots of, um, takeaways. I think the main thing for us was on defense, still allowed them a lot of gain line and against, um, you know, the likes of England and France, we can't afford to do that. So we took a lot of things away from our, um, defense and then on attack, um, just making sure that we're really critical in areas that, um, we probably weren't at some, at some stages. So just making sure that, you know, in those big games, if that passes them not on, just to carry hard and, um, preset to go for our next phase. But yeah, there's always takeaways out of each game, um, even with a scoreline like that.
4: Well, you've got plenty of toe yourself, uh, Amy. You're very, very quick. I've seen you take players on the outside many a time, whether it's wearing the red and black or or wearing the Black Ferns jersey. I guess the decision-making for you is something that you're dealing with. uh, When do you back yourself to go and hit the hole and when do you put someone away?
12: Yeah, that's definitely been a work-on for me and it still is a work-on for me. Um, Now I'm probably a bit stronger with the ball in hand just running hard, but there's times that um, decision-making can let me down. Um, but yeah, continue to work on that with this um, with our team and with Smithy, and I know that I've got a lot of girls around me that can help me do that. So making sure that um, there's a balance between running really hard and you know, setting my teammates up to score.
4: The uh, pool that you've got, uh, you play the Aussies first up. They're probably the, the I think they're the two highest ranked teams uh, in Pool A. Uh, how much do you know about Wales and Scotland?
12: Um, yeah, to be fair we haven't looked too far um, into the tournament so I don't know overly heaps about them. I've watched a couple of games. Um, you know, they're good tribes but we'll look to preview them a bit closer to the time and once we've um, you know, done our job against Aussie.
4: Yeah, now we also uh, have, of course, uh, another Super Rugby Aopeki competition at the beginning of next year, uh, February and March. Uh, it's going to be five weeks this time. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, nothing nothing else goes wrong. Uh, how much you are you looking forward to that and uh, that draw of uh, the Blues first up, which is always a tasty fixture? Yeah,
12: no, that competition's been amazing. Last year it was so cool to get the, um, off the ground and running, and this year I know that, uh, sorry, next year I know it's going to be Um, you know a step up as well so yeah really looking forward to that and it's really cool that we can um, have semis and finals as well because I think that will be really important for the women's game
4: yeah, I think the more games, the better. I mean, uh, you know, we talked uh, to Crystal uh, uh, Kawa, um who's coaching the Chiefs Manawa team yesterday, you know, and, and she said, look, you know, we've got five weeks this time. We'd love to have more. Uh, how long do you think it is, given that we've got a Rugby World Cup here, uh, we'll roll into this Aopaki season off the back of that. How long do you think it is before we see expansion of this competition or maybe even the Aussies coming in?
12: Oh yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, in the pipeline and I know that, um, New Zealand rugby are probably looking to do that. Um, but I think even the progress that they've done from, you know, this year to next year is huge and, um, I think, yeah, in the next five years this competition will be, um, international and probably, paid full-time. So yeah, it's pretty
4: exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, you know, we talk a, b- a lot about equality in sport now as well, and I suppose that's one of the other real positives to come out this week. We've seen two women named as head coaches in Super Rugby, Alpeki, something we didn't have last season. Uh, as a player, does it make a difference to you who you're playing for?
12: Oh, absolutely. You know, that is huge, and um, those two amazing women are so good at what they do. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, um I think it's awesome that, you know, women can be um in power of of what, you know, women's rugby stands for and um you definitely look up to people like that who have, you know, played in the jersey before and now are giving back to, to us. So yeah, it's an absolute honour and I think um well-deserved.
4: Yeah, we Obviously, we don't know uh, at this stage, or at least I'm not sure we know, of what Wayne Smith's plans are post the World Cup. But uh, he's got a couple of able assistants in there. One of them is uh, Whitney Hansen, who we know can coach at Super Rugby Apeki level. Uh, how is, do you think she's coming on as a coach working with someone like Wayne?
12: Oh, yeah. Whitney Hanson's amazing. She's an awesome lady, and um, she's got so much to give to this team. Her knowledge is um, incredible. She obviously has coached me for Canterbury in Matthew too and um, someone that I really look up to. And I think she's definitely absorbing a lot of Wayne's knowledge and um, just soaking up all the all the learnings here. But yeah, she's definitely someone to look out for in the future.
4: She's probably uh, not, not a bad person to have on board because I, I guess if she's ever got a question, her old man's reasonably handy in the old coaching gig as well.
12: <laughs> Absolutely. He's an awesome guy and he's definitely, um, you know, obviously helped her a lot. But Whitney's also someone that has driven herself and will go and seek the answers for herself. Um, Yeah, she's an amazing lady. Amy, I really
4: appreciate your time, mate. I know that uh, you've got... Probably better things to do than be talking to me. You'll be thinking about that first game and and getting ready and getting oh, no. you know getting organised, having the having the having the team on track. I really appreciate your time. Best of luck for the upcoming rugby Thank world so cup. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, you know we see you and Portia and Ruby and Renee and 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 all running in plenty of uh, meat pies, and we see you holding the cup at the end of it, eh? <laughs> Thank you so
12: much. I really appreciate the call. Have a lovely um, day.
1: Yep, that's uh, Amy Duplessis there, um, of course, uh, as we say, just uh, eight days away now from that uh, massive event at uh, Eden Park. It's a triple header, and uh, just a release from uh, the World Cup organisers as well to say that the ticket sales for day one have now surpassed 30,000, 30,000 people. Uh, that was, uh, they were hoping to get past 20, which would have been uh, the record for um, a rugby World Cup match, uh, which back in 2014, the final in France, 2014. Um, also, um, New Zealand for a, a women's uh, event, uh, it stands at 16,162 for uh, North Korea versus the USA under-17 soccer game back in 2008. So uh, it's going to be more than double that. Outstanding result. Uh, first up, uh, let's hope uh, that uh, the Black Ferns can respond to that so uh, 30,000 plus already at uh, Eden Park next Saturday, all day and into the evening, we'll have a panel next, they might want to comment on that Uh, it'll be Guy Havelt and James Regan on a number of issues this morning
2: The
5: panel
1: The panel this morning is uh, Guy Havelt and uh, James Regan Uh, very happy to have uh, both you gentlemen on with us this morning Uh, Guy, news just coming through, I've been reading on stuff, 30,000 plus Uh, They've sold tickets for day one of the Rugby Women's World Cup at Eden Park. Good
7: news. Yeah, morning, Smithy, morning, James, and everyone else. Uh, Good news. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I'm pleasantly surprised, I must say. The last time I heard, uh, ticket sales weren't all that good. So I saw that headline this morning as well, and I thought 30,000 was a pretty good number. Uh, No doubt if it's a nice, awkward day when it does roll around that that they will get some uh, they'll, they'll get a decent walk-up crowd, you'd hope. Um, yeah, if, if it got towards thirty-five, forty, I, I think that would be an incredible result to start the tournament. Um, hopefully, it is a good day, a good fine day, and the Black Ferns can get their moments uh, in the sun, so to speak, from a from a literal and figurative point of view, and, and they can um, they can really start this tournament on a high.
1: So that's uh, day one, James. Um, what about uh, going forward and uh, the matches before? Uh, the playoffs. So you imagine the playoffs will be pretty well supported. Do you fear a little bit for the numbers?
13: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch it unfold. I think there's always kind of this fear before any kind of tournament, especially at the moment because of COVID. But when, when it gets going, pe- people will get involved in it, and especially, obviously, people up uh, Auckland and above. Then um, I think it'll gather its own momentum, and I think, then again, if the Blackburns can, can get going, I'd love to see people get behind them after what they've been through over the past year or so and, and the way they've kind of turned things around. I think it'd be great if everyone can get behind them. And and as always, a tournament on our own front door, you know, pe- people will get behind it and it, it will gather momentum. I think it'll be fine. Absolutely, I will just James. jump in there.
7: I, I was, yes. um, I, I am happy with, with the ticket sales for the first game. I, I worry for the rest of the tournament, um, massively. Uh, I, I think they've got um, games at, at, out, out, out at Trust Stadium in, in West Auckland. Um, games not featuring the Black Ferns, I don't know how many people are going to show up. Um, and, and that, for me, is a real concern for this tournament. Um, and that's why the Black Ferns have a little bit more pressure than usual on their shoulders. They have to make it through to at least the semi-finals and probably the final, if we're realistic, I think, to keep interest going in this tournament. Um, there are three teams who are really good in women's rugby. That's the Black Ferns, France and England. Um, maybe Australia to an extent, but outside of that, uh, it's fairly slim pickings, and I worry that if the Black Ferns aren't involved, interest in this tournament will drop suddenly. So uh, I think there's, there's yeah, the, the first game, great that they're getting 30-odd thousand along. I, I think that's excellent. The rest of it I do worry about.
1: Okay, uh, I'm with you, actually. And I I got a little bit worried uh, when I turned up to Eden Park last week, uh, early to watch both games, and there were not that many people there to begin the Black Ferns game. Obviously, it built up towards the end of the match with uh, All Blacks uh, fans uh, as their preference turning up, but I I was a little bit worried, and uh, I would imagine looking down from above, a lot of the officials were uh, ever so slightly worried as well. Uh, James Regan, Joseph Parker... Now, uh, Joseph Parker, straight after his loss last weekend to uh, Joyce, uh, he was up very boldly talking through a severely distorted and ugly-looking face, I've got to say, for a good-looking young man, uh, about his next fight. What about this? What what do you make of this from Joseph Parker? He's 30 years of age, but he can't continue to be pounded like that against the big boys.
4: Yeah, it
13: it was a fascinating fight, and I think massive props to Joe Joyce, first of all, for being the first person to knock Joseph Parker out. Like, let's not forget that, right? Anthony Joshua, Dillian White, Andrew Ruiz as well all tried and they couldn't knock Joseph Parker out. I think Joe, whether he wins the world title or not, I think took a massive dent, but he'll still be involved in some big fights. I think he'll get a rematch with Dillian White. I think he could get a rematch with AJ, depending on what happens with him over the next few months. But all that aside, it was pretty disappointing to to go on social media and everything after the fight and see people basically write him off as if they were ready to write him off even before that fight. Like, that was a great fight.
7: Two two
13: big heavyweights, one and two ranked, going at it. And Joe Joyce came out on top, fair play. But it was pretty it was pretty disappointing to see a lot of Kiwis and a lot of Kiwis in the media writing him off and just basically saying, well, you know, that's that with Joe. He's still got a loss to give. He's only, you say he's 30, but he's only 30. Joe Joyce was a lot older, um... Joe Parker has a lot more to give Whether he fights for a world title or not, I'm not sure But he's still got some massive fights ahead of him And the the hunger is clearly still there So I think we should give him a little bit more respect Given he's a Kiwi on the world stage And one of the toughest sports going around Doing amazing things I think people need to to pull their heads in a little bit To be
1: honest Okay, James, uh, honest thoughts there Uh, Guy Havilt, what did you make of it?
7: Well, I've got to put my hand up and be honest and say that before the fight, I was already in the camp that if Joseph Parker didn't win that fight, then that was pretty much Gurdon's. I did a little bit of a flip after the fight, to be honest, because he showed such um, incredible endurance, I suppose. He took an absolute pounding at times in that fight, and more often than not, he gave it back straight away twice. twice. That was an excellent fight. Uh, It was a really, really interesting, enthralling entertaining fight from these two big men. Um, and we don't see that that often in boxing anymore. Uh, so I, I kind of gained even more respect for Joseph Parker out of that. In saying that, I don't think he will t- fight for a world title again. I don't think a, a rematch against Dillian White is all that interesting. Um, I think, with all due respect to Joseph Parker, great guy. Um, I think the fact that he's been a world title holder before is, is just um, you know, that just shows what type of fighter he has been I don't think he's at the, the heights of the Usex, um obviously Tyson Fury, um, even Anthony Joshua, I think he's, you know, there's about three or four guys in the top of heavyweight boxing and then there's another gap to the rest uh, and Joseph Parker is in the rest, so he might continue his career, if he does, all power to him. I'm not going to sit here and tell him to retire, that's his decision, uh, and the team around him and his loved ones and all that sort of thing, that, that's him to make. Um, but I don't think we'll see him fighting the top, top guys in world boxing anymore. Um, I hope he continues to win some fights, uh, but I can't see him uh, fighting for a world title again.
1: Okay, uh, two um, slightly differing opinions there from uh, Guy Havelt and James Regan. And that is cool. That's what the panel is all about. It's 10.30. We'll take a short uh, break with some news from uh, Karen. When we come back, we can talk a bit of uh, NRL, a bit of NBL, a bit of WRC, a bit of everything, really. It, uh, it's just time for a, a short news update.
8: Talk, talk, then, talk to me, yeah. Yeah.
1: James Regan and uh, Guy Havelt are our panellists this morning. And uh, James, I just heard it in uh, Karen's news that... Uh, High Performance New Zealand Sport have launched a new campaign called It's Time, encouraging people to watch uh, more women's sport, saying uh, one in every three watch women's sport. Well, I wonder if that's one of every three New Zealanders or one in every three people who watch sport, um, because of one in every three New Zealanders, I would have thought it was not a bad ratio, to be first, to be perfectly honest. Uh, how do you see It's Time progressing?
13: <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's great that they've come up with this. Initiative, and it'll be interesting to see the kind of nuts and bolts, and how much money. But let's be honest; that's what it comes down to—is how much money is going to be put into to this kind of thing. Because there's no doubt, and we saw it yesterday with the media ops. We've got some amazing female teams and some amazing female athletes, right? So it's it's just finding ways to engage the public with that. And it's the same with all sports, right? Like getting people through the door, getting eyeballs on the TV coming up with ways to do that is promoting the athletes. I think first and foremost you think of the Blackburns, you know those athletes because they're they're great personalities and they're great people and great athletes. Ruby Toohey and and everyone else in that Blackburn environment does an amazing job at promoting themselves and the sport and we kind of just need that more across the board. So hopefully it is a good initiative but it'll come down to dollars and cents and kind of the the practical ways that they're going to try and Roll this out
1: Well we talked about it before uh, Guy In terms of uh, people watching uh, The Women's Rugby World Cup Um, And then of course next year You've got uh, the Women's Football World Cup Which is even more global As such and I wonder whether that will catch uh, New Zealand sports fans attention
7: So there's a lot of pressure I think on on bosses of of Sport in New Zealand and women's sport In New Zealand particularly Uh, They have They have um, What's the what's what's the right word that they have? Um, I don't want to say preached because that's unfair. Um, they have gone on, I suppose, for a while that, that these are three of the biggest women's global tournaments that New Zealand has now got uh, in the space of twelve months. We've had the Women's Cricket World Cup. I don't know about you, but I, I thought it was a little bit underwhelming in terms of um, in terms of attendance. Uh, the white trims mm. obviously got some good numbers, uh, but I thought it was a, a little bit lacklustre in that department. Uh, as we've just talked about, fascinated to see how the Women's Rugby World Cup goes. As I said, I'm a little bit concerned about those attendance numbers. And then they've got supposedly the big one globally anyway in the Women's FIFA World Cup. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on for this Women's Rugby World Cup and the FIFA World Cup to deliver in terms of um, getting youngsters, getting a more spotlight on, on women's sport. I think in the media, we we have started... To do a really good job uh, i think it's building nicely i think um they are getting women are, are getting a much better and this is what it should always be obviously they are getting a much better um, uh, coverage across all their sports but now it is up to the people in charge the people who are saying that these are going to be great events for them to deliver in terms of people attending these sports events um talking about them and getting it in the media um, they need to make it accessible for a lot of people to get along, to see these women play these sports. As James said, outstanding athletes across the board. Outstanding athletes. Uh, and now it is up to the people who are paid the big money to make sure that these athletes are put in the spotlight and that these sports continue to grow and that these women's events continue to grow. I'm slightly worried, I've got to be honest.
1: Yep, I, I am a little bit as well. Just going back to the Women's uh, Cricket World Cup, of course, they were they were sort of hamstrung a wee bit with COVID um, yep, totally. uh, at the, particularly the st- yep. at the start of the tournament it freed up towards the end and we, we saw the impact of uh, a crowd for a final not involving New Zealand I think which was quite gratifying but having said that yep. uh, we know there will be a massive crowd uh, at the NRL grand final Guy Havilt uh, who you got who you picking
7: well I sense this is one thing that James and I will agree on uh, I think Penrith will do this and I think they might do it in a canter to, to be honest um, the Eels have won. I think it's five of their last six games heading into this grand final, and the one that they lost was against Penrith, and they lost twenty-seven to six. I think it's probably going to go a similar way. I think uh, Nathan Cleary has this amazing ability to step up in huge games, whereas Mitchell Moses sometimes sometimes goes a bit missing in the big moments. Um, I, I think Penrith will win, and yeah, I, I think it could be could be a little bit of a one-sided grand final this year. James is the rugby league Uh, expert, though, so I'll leave it in his
1: hands to to really get the expertise. We need a breakdown, a complete breakdown now, James Regan, please.
13: (laughs) Yeah, look, Guy pretty much said it all. I think they've got got the players, they've got the experience, which is is massive in the NRL grand final, right? They've lost one, they've won one, they know what to do, they're they're well-rested, they look especially towards the end and, and they had a bit of a rocky start but they looked like they were just cruising um, against South last week I think it's great for Rugby League in that area of Western Sydney which is great for the game um, and, and just kind of looking and taking a step back at what Penrith has done if they went on uh, Sunday they'll be the first ever team to win all of the grades all of the age group grades the reserve grade, under-19s and, and below that as well as the NRL Premiership and if you're the to take it to a Warriors perspective, who you know are claiming they're going to come back and rebuild and rebuild the age groups. That's how you do it, and they're they're obviously bringing in Andrew Webster the assistant coach at Penrith. So that's the way you've got to run a football club these days. Uh, and so I think we'll see Penrith be dominant for years to come. They've obviously got the players coming through, and I think they'll, as Guy said, they'll probably do it at a canter on Sunday, which is um, it, it'll be. So impressive, if
1: they do, because they're an amazing team and amazing, an amazing club as well. A couple of things, uh, gentlemen, to talk about too that have slightly, I think, flown under the radar. Um, and that, uh, as the breakers' season starts this Sunday. James, that's um, uh, interesting. Uh, the only real headline I'm seeing is that uh, Tom Abercrombie won't be able to fly for six or seven weeks because of the surgery to his eye and they're protecting that. Uh, but I haven't seen much else about it, have you?
13: Yeah, I'm, I'm. the same. I've got to be honest. Up until this week, I didn't realise the season kicked off, and they've been a massive. Um, they've suffered massively through COVID, as have the Phoenix and the Warriors. But for some reason, they You're right. They've they've gone a little bit more under the radar. I think considering how how much they were in the headlines leading up to COVID as well, with everything that was going on around the team and and bringing you know stars from from the US, and they have certainly kind of dialed it back and from a, and I'm not sure if Guy would agree, but from a media point of view, we don't seem to get as much as well. And obviously COVID is a massive factor, but the Warriors and Phoenix, you were getting content from them and, and seeing them all the time. Was, it was a bit more dialed back from the Breakers. Hopefully they can they can hit the ground running here and get back on track. But um, yeah, it's been fascinating to kind of watch how all three of those clubs have, have gone through COVID and the Breakers seem to be on the back foot of it.
1: Guy, um I guess you were aware it was starting, but um do you agree with James on um the amount of information, etc. you're provided with about it? Oh,
7: I've got to be honest with you, I didn't realise I thought it was the weekend <laughs> after. Uh, so I went to interview Tom Abercrombie and Modi Ma'or yesterday and, and I was like, Oh, I better just check who their first game is and what do you know it's this weekend. Uh yeah, completely agree with James. Uh I think last year and even the season before, they they it was kind of like you know, out of sight, out of mind, and they did nothing to, to fix or change that. Um, they almost weren't available for Zoom interviews or they sent sporadic content. It was, it was quite strange. I mean, when your team's losing, uh, it doesn't help, and, and fans, I suppose, if you're not a diehard fan, you kind of go out of favour with, with watching games for the sake of watching games, so I don't think that helped them. Um, but again, they're another team that has a bit of pressure on them to, to try and bring back the crowds. What I will say in the Breakers' favour is that when you go along to a night of Breakers basketball, it is entertainment plus. The atmosphere is superb. Um, You get a lot of action. So they do that exceptionally well. They have to win. Uh, It's as simple as that, really. They have to win to keep the fans interested and to to keep those fans going along to get that atmosphere week in, week out. The other thing I would say, I was was, uh, interviewing Tom Abercrombie yesterday and then I spoke to Modi Maoa afterwards and I said, oh, can we film some training? And he said, oh, you can film the first 15 minutes, but nothing else. And that worried me a little bit. Um, In breaker seasons past, you've been able to film whatever you want. Uh, I hope it doesn't go down the same path as what we're allowed to film at the All Blacks and the like, which is 15 minutes of training when they are literally doing stretches or tying up their boots, and it is boring as hell. So I hope that is not the norm going forward, uh, because I don't think that helps us, and I really don't think it helps us try and sell the product to people sitting at home watching uh, those teams as well. I know it might sound a little bit naff and it might sound like me bleating from a personal work point of view, uh, but I think it is a lot more to sell a story, to sell a product, to in turn then help them sell tickets uh, if there is something interesting to film and interesting to watch as opposed to them doing stretches and tying their boots.
1: Well said, uh, Guy Havelt. Well said, uh, James Regan. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, have a terrific weekend watching whatever you choose, uh, whatever takes your fancy, whatever you choose to watch. I imagine uh, the NRL be uh, top of the agenda when that comes about and some great NPC action as well. Guy of James Regan, the panelists this morning. Have another one on Monday.
3: To Papa. Mount Victoria, the cable car, the bucket fountain, and the Saturday session. Yeah, all world famous Wellington icons. Yes, live
13: from SENZ's Wellington studio. Join me, Grant Elliott, and that other guy, Daniel McCarty, for your Saturday sporting fix.
3: Thanks, Grant. Yes, we do talk sport with you and our friends, acquaintances, and occasionally experts. Don't miss out on the Saturday session, live every Saturday from 10 a.m. on SENZ. I used
5: to Every week I catch up with Kiwi women doing great things in the world of sport. Join me, Ricky Swanell, 10am Sundays for Trailblazers on SENZ.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Uh, A number of texts have uh, come in today on a number of subjects. Uh, Chris has said, guys, Bunnings Cup conferences might attend conference and placemakers conference and seriousness though I like Ricardo's idea why not just uh, Tereo names or NPC legends named after those guys that have met, have never played for the All Blacks but were legends for their provinces i.e. the Holwell Conference or the Monkley Conference or something cheers uh, from Chris yes uh, we've got the Monkley medal and that is, goes to the best and fairest player throughout the season not quite sure who's leading that at the moment they tend to shut it down at the stage so it's a big surprise at the end but certainly uh, good points there uh, Chris Good morning, Smithy. NPC has been awesome, unpredictable results, and tribalism at its best. Uh, really looking forward to tonight. My beloved Tasman against uh, Hawke's Bay will be a cracker. Sevi Reese and Lester Fanganuku might just be the difference. So explosive. Yeah, will they what? I mean, um, Josh Simpson Co. wouldn't have banked on that uh, going uh, coming up during the week, I'm sure, with those two fantastic. Uh, All Blacks. Um, being able to be available for Tasman, and surely at uh, around about the 30-minute mark when they take the field off the bench, uh, things might change a wee bit. Ooh, it's a bit scary. So, the outside of the men's uh, All Blacks crowds for rugby are not great in New Zealand. So, I don't think anyone should be surprised that the women's rugby may struggle for attendance. Uh, I think it's a good point. And uh, do you know we talked about uh, 3,000 for a, uh, a Ranfurly Shield challenge when it's your first one for quite some time. And against a worthy opponent in Waikato. Um, that was that just blew me away, actually. I was, I was thinking Wellington might um, <clears throat> might buy into the Shield a wee bit more. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Wellington, and Wellington had anything to do with the Ramfairley Shield, they had parades, damn parades throughout the street. He um, couldn't get a ticket. Athletic Park was absolutely chocker. Uh, my whole uh, damn times have changed, really, they have. Uh, unless Joseph Parker. Uh, says Ra unless Joseph Parker puts cement in his gloves he'll only be fighting for dollar not titles as well as for Alzheimer's <laughs> that's a bit of a bleak uh, text Ra um, but uh, got a point and I, I tell you what his head took a hell of a pounding the other day I could not disagree with you there I really couldn't I felt for him uh, Smitty so uh, I like Ricardo's taste in music the intro to that last interview Mikey G well there you go Ricardo you got a fan out there in terms of your music oh, it was a good song that one did you enjoy that Smithy? Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it, mate. So, uh, a a bit more before midday if we can squeeze it in, eh? Yeah, sure, no problem. We'll take a a break. We've got uh, Louis' jingle to play before we speak to Louis shortly, uh, and then Pip Morris from the TAB. Always do that, just before 11.
3: On SCNZ,
5: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan.
1: (laughs) And one of racing's biggest fans is Louis Herman Watt, uh, and uh, he told us yesterday there's uh, an impressive nine-race program today at Tarapa preceding the weekend, and that's true, Louis.
0: Yeah, what a treat, you know? What a treat this is, and uh, we're going to get treated. We don't have to wait long. In just over 90 minutes, you're going to see a filly called Legato go around. One start is a two-year-old, the Prisier filly for the Kelsos in the Levante colours. So there's a, a lot of synergy going on here, and she is good. She is really – she could be special, you know. She's got a lot of ability about her. She's trialed like a machine. Uh, a number of good judges think that she's a genuine 1,000 guineas chance. She's about $14 in the futures now. I don't know if she's going to – the funny thing is, I say that, I don't know if she's going to come out and win this race just because she's drawn barrier six. It's a small, niggly little field. Um I don't know what the track's playing like today. It says it's a soft seven, but it's raining down there. Tarapa can be a little bit on pace, as we know. So I don't know whether she wins today, but she's definitely one to follow for the future moving forward, mate. So that's in race number one. We don't wait long to see her. And then one of the races of the day is the Sky City Hamilton Waikato Cup day, 10th of December mile, because cheaper than divorce comes back to the races today for Robert Wellwood and Roger James, and she's never lost fresh up before, and she I was just looking last night at her starting prices in those nice races, I'm pretty sure it was the Sky City of Auckland Cup uh, last year at Ellerslie, and she was at um, $2 that day, and then the, the start before at Tarapa, in the Waikato Cup I'm pretty sure where she won, uh, she was started at 2 dollars uh, one, so $2.10, so her starting prices, the markets respected this mare a lot cheaper than divorce, but she comes back today fresh where Maroney with Kelsey Hannon aboard claiming from a good barrier, loves the track, loves the distance, can go through the soft with two wins and two seconds on it. I thought that was the the horse to beat, the McPhee gelding. So, look, Maroney and Chapman divorce. I think they're both the clear top picks in that race. Could be a little Quinella option. You could chuck something a little bit rough in there if that's the way you want to go as well. Your Rapid Fills or your Field of Gold for Pikey who has also had success at the course. Um, there's lots of good racing across the card. And then tomorrow, of course, Group 1, Arrowfield, studs Plate down there at eight things. You say the big wets coming. All the good judges seem to think so, and the weathermen around the country seem to think so too, Smithy. So it could be hard work, but Group 1 racing will hook into it.
1: Okay, Louis, we'll talk about that on Monday. Have a terrific weekend on The Punt, my friend. Uh, We'll get across to uh, Pip Morris at the TAB, and uh, Pip Morris, a little bird has just told me in my ear, well not quite a little bird, quite a big bird actually, um, (laughs) has just told me in in my ear that you are a huge Penrith fan. Good morning, Smitty, I am a
5: die-hard Penrith fan, I'll be having all my gear on and pacing the
1: lounge until it's over, I can tell you that on Sunday. Okay, right, Uh, uh, before that though, we've got uh, some uh, greyhound racing today. Uh, of course, and then, of course, we'll learn a lot of sporting options over the weekend.
5: Yeah, we certainly do, and just on top up it's true there's some boosted odds, a Masalino to win, and at the Greyhound, Sean the Chaser to win race number four, boosted odds on the racing homepage, pay-up now available to the place of fixed odds bet, smithing the provisional result comes up on screen. The money will be banged straight in your account if you've found the winner. It's just excluding win insurance and future bets and disqualifications. You can check out the T's and C's on the punters lounge. As far as the NRL goes this week, and I can tell you the most popular power play has been Brian Ta'o to get the first try score and the most popular power play perished in both halves at 225. Clive Churchill medals, being Nathan Cleary the best back by Dylan Edwards. He's now $12 to $7.50, and I do think he's a little smoky. And also, either team wins 1 to 12, any number two or number five or replacement winger scores a try. And Cleary or Moses Clive Churchill at 450 in a really nice popular power play. So there's something for whatever team you support, get involved in. Go to footy on the weekend.
1: Have a great weekend, Pip. Thanks so much. Uh, go the Panthers for your point of view, anyway. It's- it is 11:03 uh, here on SCNZ, and it is rugby league showpiece this weekend. Of course, the NRL grand final, and uh, it is between the Penrith Panthers and the Parramatta Eels. And at this point, uh, the Panthers are pretty warm favourites in most people's thinking. Is that the case in the, the, the mind of Lewis Brown? Of course, uh, Lewis played uh, 84 games for the Warriors, 66 for the Panthers, 48 for Manly. And, of course, 15 games for the Kiwis. And uh, plenty to talk to Lewis about as we welcome into the show. Morning, mate. Thanks for your time.
10: Thanks, Smitty, for having me. Really excited about this weekend. Um, the build-up over here in Sydney has been uh, pretty crazy, to be honest, even though the weather's a bit uh, bit gloomy. Um, hopefully, she clears up for Sunday, we can have some uh, dry weather footy.
1: Hey, and Lewis, you, you look at um, the Delhi M's the other night. Um, and you look at uh, the team that was announced, and the fact that Brad Arthur wasn't even nominated as coach of the year, and you ask yourself this question: How did Parramatta even get to the grand final?
10: Yeah, that, that's a great question, Smitty. Um, you know, I look, I look at the Dally M's, and um, you know, the judging system's a bit different these days. Um, I think there's, you know, there's been a bit, a bit of chat about um, how they can obviously evolve that over time and 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 get a bit of, bit of clearing uh, voting system um but yeah um are they're just, they're just a team that holds together strong um brad arthur people want to play for him um you know um you know a lot of people probably don't realize outside of uh australia that you know paramount is pretty much a glamour club of the of the west and they have been the big brother of penrith for a very very long time um so this 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 matchup has sort of been um watering around in the mouth for a while here here in sydney and um you know, I just think I think they play rugged footy. I think um, you know against the Cowboys, they found themselves in a slot at 12, uh, 20 to twelve down, and you know Parramatta of the old, the last few years, probably the last decade, would have folded and, and, and probably put the probably put the keys in the pocket and ready to walk out of the stadium. But um, they showed some fight, and um, that's what scares me about um, Penrith's chances this weekend. You know that that fight that um, that Parramatta have got.
1: So who's, who's at home, does anyone feel at home here? I mean, for Parramatta, it's, what, 10 minutes down the road. For uh, for the Panthers, it's uh, probably about 30 minutes away. I mean, it's very much a Western final. Uh, but it's, it's a stadium which is massive, of course, uh, and it's not a stadium that they use very often at all these sides. These players, probably for most of them, it's the first time they'll actually walk onto it. Does anyone have an advantage in that regard?
10: No, well, that sort of thing to me. It's more of a neutral ground. Um, I, I think... Um, at the end of the day, the Panthers probably ha- have played have played a game there, have played a final series there. Um, you know, both both Battle of the West, um, like you said, ten minutes up the road from Parramatta, about 35 k's from Penrith. Um, you know, the, the first week of the finals, there was there was chat about trying to people wanting to move that game because that they felt like it wasn't fair about Penrith having um, that that less of fans there that they could get more there that they could take it to a neutral ground and and have a bigger atmosphere. But this weekend, I think, you know, it's sold out. Um, I think we're going to have 90,000 um, Penrith and Parramatta fans going at it. It's going to be a great day of footy. And, and the gala of footy here during the week as well has just been outstanding. You know, the last two years it's been under protocol. And, and you know, you know that, that, that that's the heartland of rugby league out, out, out here in Sydney is in Parramatta and Penrith. And it's just been awesome to see the, the, the teams to be able to go out and celebrate um, the week that they're having with their communities, and you know, they're, they're some of the, two of the biggest um, fan bases in the whole of the NRL. So it's great to see you know, footy alive here in Sydney and um, really well.
1: The Cleary connection uh, can't be ignored, uh, Lewis, of course, because uh, it's not always the case where fathers and sons uh, mix together in a sporting environment, especially a high pressure one, and it actually works. Sometimes there's conflict, but it seems in this case, the Ivan Cleary, Nathan Cleary mix has been pretty damn good.
10: Yeah, you're right, Smitty. Like you know, you see a lot of cases where it isn't the right mix, and there's an imbalance there. And uh, but this one just sort of seems to click, doesn't it? And um, you know, the kid, the kid is—he's um, got the world at his feet. Um, he's probably the most professional um, kid under twenty-five I've met. He takes the game very seriously. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to um, be able to babysit him when I was younger when I moved to Penrith, actually, and. Uh, I you know, got to know him pretty well, and and obviously having Ivan at the Warriors, and also following over him to Penrith, I got to know Ivan pretty well, and they're just a great family. Uh, very humble, very down to earth, and um, you know, it's just one of those things that you just, you know, like I saw Nate, heard Nathan talking during the weekend. and sometimes he have to pinch himself to to realise that he's actually going on this journey with his dad to go back to back, um, you know, let alone with your teammates, but to do it with your coach and your dad. Uh, would be something certainly certainly special, but also on the flip side, um, you know Brad Arthur and Jacob Arthur. Um, you know there's going to be history this weekend. It's going to be the first time the two coaches have their two sons play for their uh, their two teams. So um, mm. you know just just good to see that. Also good to see young young kids coming through, um, coaches' kids coming through, and the talent coming through. But uh, yeah, getting back to Nathan. Um, yeah, he, he's got to, he's going to have a lot of traffic coming this way. But you know he, he's one of those people that. Um, studies the game um, knows, knows what everything everyone does where everyone's going to be um, you know, he's just one of those players that's two, two, two steps ahead and he, he's shown that throughout the final series
1: What is about Ivan Cleary? Um, Lewis, you've, as you say, you're, you're great friends of his you're close to the family uh, you've been um, a player underneath uh, his uh, guidance as well uh, you know him very well. It doesn't appear from the outside that he's a Ricky Stewart, uh, Craig Bellamy type. You don't see him ranting and raving. You don't see his his name too much in any headlines as such. He just uh, seems to be a businessman.
10: Yeah, he's just he's just a real down to earth real down to earth guy. Um, he's he's a black and white coach. So um, obviously, when you walk around at training, um, it's black and white. There's never any grey areas where you stand. Um, he, he's, he's, he's truthful, um, even though the truth hurts sometimes, but you know, that criticism that you get that, um, construction criticism from him, um, helps you with your game, helps you move forward and, and helps you grow as a player. Um, he doesn't like the limelight. Um, and you know, he, he built, he builds his game. He builds his teams on, on culture, um, you know, if, if you look across the board, you know he, he's been to uh, three clubs, um, and he's had success there. He's built great cultures there. He did that at the Warriors. He did that for a small uh, when I first went to Penrith, and then he went to the Tigers and had it. He had them humming for a bit, and then he's gone back to Panthers, and he's he's, he's pretty much just close to. Um, you know, creating a little dynasty out there. So it's the type of person he is. He builds his game on one percenters, you know, those, those small kick pressure, you know, getting on loose balls, you know, tidying up tackles. He's not He's not big on the big plays. He thinks that stuff's going to come next once you build your foundation, foundations on the basics. And if you look at Penrith, that's what they do very well. They do the one percenters. They know their role. They know their job. And, and, and at the end of the game, it's a 17-man 17 17 man game. And, and, and each player in one to 17 know what their role is that night.
1: Lewis, a lot of people have been commenting and having their opinion on how this game will go this weekend. And everyone uh, who talks about Parramatta's chances say the one thing they have to do is shut Nathan Cleary down. How do you do that?
10: Um, I think just just kick pressure. Um, I think if you, if you looked in uh, at, 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 the, at, the, at the first finals game between the two teams, um, you know they gave him no kick pressure. Um, if you look at the origin, whereas Queensland, um, they really, really, you know, really gave them kick pressure, especially in games one and at games one and three. And and once again, if you look back at that, that's Billy Slater coming from the Melbourne system, built on doing the small things. And I think kick pressure is a big one for um, you know Parramatta this weekend. Nathan kicked them off the park last time, but I also think that the the the, the Parramatta uh, Parramatta. For, Ford packs really got to kick the front door down. They got to go through the front door, you know, through the middle. Um, they've got big enough forwards. They have just got to be hungry enough to want it. And um, it's going to be a big contest, but I believe it's going to be a close game. A lot of people are picking Penrith. Uh, you know, that's where my heart heart lays. But I I, I can't really um, I can't really put a knife through them. I think it's going to be a, a very 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 tight game.
1: Outstanding. Uh, and as a sideline too. Um, before we let you go, Lewis, a little bit about the Rugby World Cup, which uh, is uh, not that far away either. There's eight members of the Samoan World Cup team playing in this grand final, which makes them, uh, if they can galvanise with the Samoan jersey, a real threat at World Cup time as well.
10: Yeah, uh, um, I'm really looking forward to the World Cup, Smitty. I think it's, it's probably going to be one of the best Rugby League World Cups that we get to see. Um, you know, you've got kids like Jason Suwali, like playing for Samoa, uh, you know Jerome Luai playing for Samoa, uh, Brian Po'o, um putting his hand up. So, you know it, it's a bit of a lucky dip at the moment who who's going to go up to England and be able to handle that cold weather and, and be able to control the ball. But it's great for international rugby league. It's probably something that struggled in the past and s- certainly struggled after COVID. So it's great to get it back on its feet and um, and, and have a, sh- and a great showcase over in England and um, starting next week in October.
1: Lewis Brown always great catching up uh, great to hear your views on this particularly uh, with your association with the Claries. Um enjoy the occasion mate having been there yourself you know exactly what the players are in for uh, have a terrific weekend eh
10: thank you Smitty appreciate you mate
1: cheers uh, Lewis Brown there of course um, 66 games for the Panthers close association as we heard there with uh, uh, Ivan Cleary and Nathan Cleary so uh, he uh He'll be watching very closely, and uh, he's uh, got a vested interest as well, being a former Panther himself. Uh, And also, of course, the World Cup not far away. 15 games for the Kiwis. That was Lewis Brown. We'll be back very shortly with uh, one of the big men out of the greyhound racing industry, Mark Rosanowski.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
1: It's 11.20 here on SENZ, and it's time to uh, get into our weekly segment around greyhound racing. And our uh, subject this week is the one, the only, Mark Rozinoski, uh known as Rozzo, to his friends. I hope I'm one of those. Rozzo, good morning to you.
11: <laughs> good morning, Smitty. Hope I can call you Smitty. Absolutely, you yeah. are. Friends in racing, we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are friends in racing. Uh, Rosso I was just thinking, man, how long have you been involved uh, with Trackside now? Uh, pretty much
11: from the beginning, Trackside started as Action TV in 1992, and I um, I didn't get the initial job. Of course, the, the two jobs went to uh, to George Simon and to Karen Fenton Ellis, and then they looked for people in the regions, and I got pipped out there by Shelton Merthyr. But that's not a bad field, uh, and I got a call up after about three or four months, because initially they weren't covering greyhound racing. And when they determined that they were going to show every single meeting in the country of all three codes, then um, that gave a few more of us uh, some opportunities. So yeah, it was sort of um, late 1992 into 93.
1: And uh, when did you really um, put yourself towards the Greyhound side of things? I mean, because you're, a, you're an all-rounder, you've got knowledge across uh, all forms of the industry, but when did you really want to specialise or, or find that as your niche?
11: It was probably just opportunity, to be honest, Smithy. Um, I love all three codes and um, grew up with with racing, going to uh, the, the, the races, both horse codes initially uh, with my father. who um, was a, he was a teacher, but but you know liked to punt at the weekend and and uh, I just loved being involved around the horses initially, and then I um, I ran into a a, um, a lovely gentleman called Pat Cagney. Um, and he got me into the Greyhounds and when I was about 15, and, and the thing about the Greyhounds was, was it was kind of accessible to me at that stage. I could I could handle them. I'd never been, you know, I was too big to be a jockey, and uh, and I hadn't had any sort of um, experience around harness stables or anything like that, so it was kind of hands-on with the dogs. So when I got involved in Trackside, yes, it was Greyhounds to start with, but then opportunities started to open up to be part of um, harness racing and be Sheldon's backup to both codes, so I got to do some uh, gallop meetings as well, and... All of a sudden, I found myself interviewing people who are actually my heroes. and uh, It was quite an experience.
1: Well, it's not just uh, uh, the Greyhounds and, and racing in particular you're involved in, because um, um, I've just found out, of course, that you're uh, passionate too about athletics. Uh, you've been involved in commentating athletics events as well, and you've actually got a podcast for athletics as well. So uh, tell us a wee bit about that, please.
11: Yeah, look. Um, in terms of um, sport, I just love any sport going. Um, but but as a, as a as a kid, I played you know football and, and and athletics was my go, and um I wasn't especially good, not as good as my father. Um, but um, but I, I was okay at a provincial level. But I've always thoroughly enjoyed track and field, and. Uh, going back a few years at Trackside, uh, young Ben Rogers was a, uh, a director and then a producer of our Greyhound show. And his father's Tony Rogers, and uh, Tony made the uh, 1500 meter final at the 1984 uh, Olympic Games uh, up against um, uh, Ovet and Co, and Cram. Was a, it was a hot field? He finished ninth. Um, so I've been lucky enough through Tony to um, to get together, and we did this. We did this podcast. We've done uh, 15 uh, episodes so far, and. Um, Tony runs the Capital Classic in February uh, at Newtown Park in in Wellington. And so that was sort of my introduction to, to commentating athletics. And I've been able to do uh, secondary schools cross-country and recently the road-running champs uh, up there at Trentham. So uh, it's, a, it's a different experience, but one I've really relished sort of uh, later in my career, if you like.
1: Well, you're pretty lean-looking eh? athlete yourself, Rosso. How about a runner with uh, fast
11: metabolism. did uh, as I say, uh, Smithy, I was, I was sort of—I um, I was provincially good. I used to say, like um, to the person on the street, I was quick. But in terms of, of national level, I was actually uh, pretty ordinary. So I, I, I battled around. I've got—I had one uh, triple jump championship uh, provincially uh, as a senior athlete, uh, although that was uh, a pretty small field to be fair. And I ran third in a, in a, in a Canterbury four hundred meter final. Um, so that that was kind of my level. Didn't 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 get to the nationals or anything smart like that.
1: The other thing you're uh, interested in as well is, as you say, you, you grew up playing a bit of football, uh, and you're a city fan, Manchester City fan. Now I've got to warn you: we have um, on on uh, in the production chair today, we have a very devout Manchester United fan listening in. To the next question: um, How do you think this weekend will go? And um, uh, why why City, mate? How, how did you get involved with City?
11: I, um, in the Canterbury under 12s, I, I made the, the, the Canterbury team in the under 12s and went down to Dunedin for a, um, a tournament against, um, we played Otago in Southland. And I was billeted with uh, a person, who a young boy who had uh, was playing for Otago and he um, had sent a letter to every single English football team that he could fo- possibly get an address for. And a good number of them had actually sent him... Back and so we had this you know sort of all, all sorts of bits and pieces and paraphernalia from from these clubs, and he laid them all out on the bed and he said, "You choose one and there was this sky blue thumb that said, "Go with Manchester City, and I picked that up and um, and that was kind of it, and we made the FA Cup final that year, and that was the um, the famous year when um, Spurs beat us in the replay and I thought, well, this is easy i 've chosen a cracking team um, into the FA Cup, even though we lost it we'll win one soon well of course." <laughs> went on a bit of a drought there for a while and at one stage we were in the third division but uh, things thanks to um, some Saudi oil barons uh, have uh, rather improved significantly over the last 10 years and I've had quite a good time and uh, we've got a few back on our friends from Manchester United but what I would say uh, about this particular weekend is I expect the game to be a whole lot closer than what the TAB odds would suggest
1: Right, Ricardo, you got any thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, I think, I think Rosso's on something, I mean as a United fan we've been doing it tough the last couple of years and City um, absolutely been creaming it but a couple of things as a United fan give you hope and that is the the new manager Eric Ten Hag. last season was in charge of Ajax and of course uh, Manchester City's big recruit in this off-season has been Erling uh, Haaland and Erling Haaland played for Borussia Dortmund last season. Those two teams met in the Champions League last season and Ten Hag. uh Got two wins over Dortmund. Kept Haaland scoreless, three one and four 0 and a couple of the members of the United squad, uh, uh, Martinez at the back and Anthony on the wing, were involved in those games. So I think, uh, from a United point of view, where there's hope is that you know that Ten Hag knows how to how to play against Erling Haaland, who is the you know obviously the the big striker now at Manchester City, who's scoring for fun. So that's what gives us some hope. But I think Manchester City are favourites.
1: And, Rosso, you're, you you got a feeling there you, that you, even though you find it quite even, you'll prevail?
11: Uh, I like to think so, but I've got to say it, it's a game where I'll be tempted into pleasure insurance here. Because the odds are so good on a United win and in even a draw, I think I might back those two options. I'll be always rooting for Manchester City. But if we do draw or get beaten, then at least I'll have a wee bit of money in my account.
6: You will.
1: Right, you will have a bit of money in your account, so you've uh, got a bit of insurance, as you say. Ros, I've just got a text in from a man listening in Perth, Blackie from Perth. Is Rosso's dad, Peter, that taught at Allenton School in Ashburton? Wow. Um, Look, he
11: he taught at Ashburton College. He is, Peter. Um, And, uh, yeah, that'll be the the same person. We used to live in Allenton, um, but Uh, he didn't teach there. He's a secondary school teacher. But, uh, no, Blackie is uh, on to my father there, without a doubt.
1: Okay, uh, Rosso, and before we let you go, and we can't without, um, because you're working today, of course, um, out of uh, the Manawatu. Uh, how far away's uh, Hat Trick, by the way?
11: Uh, yeah, good question. Um, it keeps getting pushed back, and um, it was supposed to be October. I think that's looking dodgy now, because we're nearly there. It starts tomorrow, October. Um, look, my guess, and I, I, I don't especially know, I'm not. I'm not close to knowing, really, but I'm struggling to think that we're going to be there this year, Smithy, the way things are happening. And so at the moment, we just have the Manawa 2. Now, we've got quite a bit of kennel cough around. We've only got seven races today. We've got Premier Heats next week and final uh, the following week with a 30000 race and a couple of uh, $15,000 races. So I'm hoping that we're going to have a few visitors and that the, the, the fields are going to be uh, boosted quite a bit next week and the week after we shall see. So just seven races. So, look, I'm, I'm finding it a wee bit tough to find some value here. Yeah. what i will give you in race one dog one hot little zeus is paying three dollars now there's a dollar seventy favorite in the race zeus has been a wee bit slow out but he does want the rail he's just having his fourth start at three dollars i think he's worth a dollar in race one number one hot little zeus in race two it's tricky race but at six dollars dog seven big time violet might just be worth a stray dollar on the downgrade race two number seven big time violet and with a seven-race card today, we've got the Quaddy starting race one and the second quaddie starting race four. And I think the anchor for both quaddies is big-time Prada. She's dollar seventy in race four. That's race four, number seven. So there's three to have a little look at. And our sort of mini-card today, we're running in amongst uh, quite a busy day of domestic racing.
1: Rosso, uh great catching up with you. That first race, by the way, out of Palmerston North that uh, Rosso are we calling Is at 4.46, folks, 4.46. This afternoon. Hey, great to find out a little bit more about you too, mate, uh, especially that passion for athletics and uh, the fact that you're a City fan uh, up against United this weekend. You'll have a busy weekend. Hope you enjoy it, mate. Thanks for your time.
11: <laughs> Thanks, mate. It's all hinging on the outcomes of a few games, isn't it? The, <laughs> the weekend and how you feel Monday.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, cheers, Roz. Always great to catch up. Thanks very much. Right, uh, it's 11.30 here. We're going to go to the news very shortly. uh, And then uh, we shall be asking for your calls on 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. You have an opportunity to win a $50 bonus bet from the TAB. Um, But uh, prior to that, we shall uh, go across to Karen, who has our 11.30 update.
8: Ian
5: Smith's
8: had a good
9: match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
4: Time for Stumped uh, by Smithy. And, uh, Smithy, we've got Damon on the line out of Palmy. He's going to take you on uh, first up uh, today. How are you feeling, Damon? Nah,
6: pretty good.
9: I've got a bit of a running battle with Smithy. He's 4-2 up at the moment. So I think we've got a pint on it at Turks Bar on Friday of the Livermore if he's there.
6: Yeah,
1: I'll be around. More likely to be at the loading ramp, but I shall be floating around. Don't you worry about that, Damon. So, um, yeah, and um, I'll make sure that I'm there uh, to cash in because I enjoy free mu- uh, free beer. Uh, okay, let's let's look at let's look at uh, the categories today for Damon to lose with
4: uh, Ricardo. Okay, so uh, Damon, do you do you want to do you want to go with golf, football, or rugby? I'll go rugby. You're going to go rugby. All right, here we go. The uh, gauntlet has been thrown down. First question for you. Who won the inaugural Women's World, uh, Rugby World Cup in
9: 1991? Oh, I'm just going to go
7: the Blackfoot. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
4: Smithy? Canada?
7: One of the worst things I have ever seen done
4: on a cricket field. Just over the border, Smithy, the USA. They beat England 19-6 in Wales. I knew it was
1: one of them. I knew it was one of them. You, you survived,
4: okay. Damon. You survived. Uh, here's the second really question. Lucky. Who? Uh, yeah. Sorry, how many World Cups have the Black Ferns won? Oh,
9: I would say four. One of the worst things I have
7: ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: Smithy, five.
4: That's a couple of chips oh. down the wicket, oh. right in the slot, Eight. and where it goes. He's whipped your bails <laughs> off, Damon. Unlucky, mate. Five two to Smithy. Five, Damn it! Two, I don't think down. I can
1: catch him now. <laughs> well done, Smithy. You know what? You know what it is, mate. It's a it's a it's a DV export gold on tap, brother. I'll see
4: you there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have one at I'll have one too far with your name on it, mate.
1: <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank uh, you, Odeo.
4: Uh, Damon, we've sent sent Damon packing, uh, which gives uh, who a chance now? Uh, it's Jamie. Uh, Jamie uh, is uh, calling through from Nelson. How you doing, Jamie? You yeah, doing a first drop. How
9: are
6: you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah batting at three just like Kane Williamson batting at
4: three I hope you uh, can steady the ship because you're under pressure here what's the question? Jamie which Black Ferns captain has won the most World Cups?
7: oh jeepers ah uh, Zoe Joss. one Love of it. the worst things I have ever seen done on a Unlucky,
4: Jamie you might have to uh, get to the loading ramp and buy smithy and export gold at this rate as well Um, smithy what are you what are you going to say?
1: Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking here, and uh, I got a feeling she might be in the news because I think I might have heard her name this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fiao Famasili, who's One just been inducted. One of the worst things I have oh, ever no. seen Don't Sorry. field.
4: Sorry, Smithy. Uh, Jamie, you lucked out, but you lucked in. A fifty dollars TAB voucher cool. is all yours. Farah Palmer.
1: Oh God. Oh, it's as oh. easy as that.
4: There you it's go. It's often this. It's Stupid. often the obvious ones, isn't it, Smithy?
1: Oh, stupid. It's real. It's a gift of 50 bucks. Yeah. Oh, enjoy it, Jamie. What are, enjoy it. What are you going to put it on
4: this weekend, Jamie? You got anything? NRL? Uh, NBC? Well, uh, I'd love
9: to see the Eels win, but the Panthers are pretty safe bet, I'd say.
4: Oh,
1: I think you get about $1.35 or something for them at the moment, mm-hmm. so that's not a bad investment. Mm-hmm. You can put it on the Marco to beat um, Hawks Bay tonight. What do you reckon?
9: Well, the uh, Marco's at uh,
7: 12 uh, a, a little hit uh point starts uh, offering a bit so yeah
1: we'll multi it up multi it up good on you man have a great weekend uh whatever you're doing um and uh thanks for taking part congratulations Stay on the line brian will get your details just to confirm that he's got everything uh, hunky-dory to make sure the transaction goes through quickly for you man have a great weekend you
4: too yeah thanks very much jamie all right smithy uh Close, but no cigar, mate. Close, but no cigar. But the, the loading ramp, uh, do they? Do, have you got a spot at the loading ramp that's got your plaque on it just yet?
1: No, no plaque, but um, there's an indentation on one of the seats where <laughs> I sit most nights. Um, <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, no, uh, yeah, so that's where we're based at the moment, the uh, the loading ramp around the corner. And um, it's a nice little snug, little men's snug there, um, which we welcome women, of course. We're, we're not a uh, society that uh, prevents that, but we... Uh, We tend to talk of those subjects, and we've got trackside off having there and a bit of rugby, a bit of rugby league in there. And I don't know. For some reason, the women tend to prefer uh, the environment, which is out further in the the bar area, which has got the Sauvignon Blanc, Blanc, the Chardonnay, Mm -hmm. and a nice fire going, or even the sunshine in the summer. So I don't know why. I don't know why they prefer that area. Ricardo, it's it's got me bamboozled.
4: It can't be the company or the conversation. I don't know. It must be something else. No, I think it's there's
1: actually one table. Not that I sit at. There's one table full of uh, toe rags, absolute toe <laughs> rags. Yeah. Who uh, uh, they cause tr- trouble? Uh, they're tradies, most of them. they're R- Tradies, electricians, plumbers, mm. uh, fishmongers. Yeah, you know, they, they come in and they you know they, they think they can run the joint. <laughs> When they leave, actually, when they leave, Ricardo, yeah? the average IQ of the bar increases markedly when they leave, <laughs> not when they arrive. Okay, that's, that's, the kind of group, that's the kind of group I'm talking about. And they know ex- they know who exactly who they are. I don't even have to mention their names. In terms of IQ, though, the next bloke we're talking to mm. has got a seriously high IQ and everything we need to know about the harness racing industry. And that, of course, is Michael Guerin. He's, ne- he's up shortly. I'm now at uh, 11.45, and uh, it's time to uh, chat uh, with Michael Guerin. Of course, there is uh, racing at Addington tonight. There is uh, also some harness racing at Timaru on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Michael, good morning to you.
14: Good yeah, morning to you, Smitty. Um, tonight's a really big dance. It's a really big go because, uh, as you know, we love Cup Week in harness racing, and Cup Week in Christchurch is now about six and a half weeks away. Or sorry, five and a half weeks away. But tonight, the really big names roll out. Um, One of those is Self-Assured, the horse who won the race by Grins in the S-E-N-Z slot back in April. Another one, Sunday Sun, who's won 10 Group 1s, including uh, the last two Dominion handicaps. They both resume tonight, Smithy. Now, one of them, I think, will win. I think Self-Assured will win because he's off the front line, so he's not handicapped at all for being the superior horse. He's two dollars. So I think he'll win. But the other one I'm not so sure about, Sunday Sun is off a thirty metre handicap. And he's a horse they drive really hard when he's screwed down fit. But he's only had one trial and I don't think he can be screwed down fit tonight. Now the market has reacted to that hypothesis. Basically, his second favourite or his biggest rival, Muscle Mountain, has been really heavily backed from two dollars eighty to 175 now that's a huge move punters Sunday Sun the champion trotter because people think he can't be really fit for tonight's race has been $2 on opening out to 2.4 it's going to be an intriguing race Mitty, but usually with Sunday Sun when those mm. type of market moves they tend to be right
1: well it's tomorrow Mick will be able to say that uh, Cup Week is next month uh, that's that's how close it's getting to, to us
14: it's gonna be great. I think people were really looking forward to it, Smithy, because there's two massive days of Cup Week. There's the final Saturday at Rickerton, which is huge, and then there's obviously mm. Cup Day, Trotting Cup Day at Tuesday. And last year Trotting Cup Day was was I'm not gonna swear, but it was poor, Smithy. <laughs> because mm. the rating was great. But there's only twelve hundred people there and it just felt dreadful. It'd be like going to, you know, a great All Blacks test match or a great you know, cricket game and only having 1,000 people inside Eden Park, it just felt dreadful. Mm. This year, they'll get 20,000 on the Tuesday Cup Day. So the one thing I would say to people listening to this, if you intend going to Cup Day, I'm not trying to sell you any tickets, but if you don't get tickets, you won't go. If it's one of those situations, Smithy, and you would know it from the rugby, people ring you in the last week and say, mate, can you get me a ticket? They're like, brother, these things have been gone for a month. Well, those tickets mm. are Cup Day. They will close the joint and probably ricketed on the last day. They will close them because they can only deal with so many people. And now that it's no masks and no restrictions and none of that stuff anymore, Cup days—the two big ones in Christchurch—will sell out, Smitty. So, um, so we get into that. This, these are the races that lead to all that sort of stuff. And then, as you mentioned, Timaru on Tuesday. Now, I thought on Sunday, Timarus not usually a major meeting on a Sunday. But this week they have something different. They have these spring reward races, and it's the lower grade horses—the horses who aren't the heroes and the superstars. They have twenty thousand dollar finals, and most of these horses will never race for twenty grand again in their life. But they're racing for that on Sunday in five special races for those lower grade horses. Really cool idea. Great for the owner-trainers and some of the farmers and some of the smaller time trainers to have these twenty thousand dollar races to set their horses for. So. Most of these horses will never race in a Cup, they'll never race in a Dominion, but on Sunday at Timaru, these races, which are in the back half of the program, are their Cups and are their Dominions. So a really good move from Harness Racing New Zealand uh, to give these less than horses a chance to race for some proper money.
1: Well, you've got two shows possibly over the weekend as well. Uh, Michael, you have got the Mail Run, Uh, and then of course you've got Trot's Talk uh, at 11 o'clock on Sunday, which will... You'll be able to preview some of those uh, Timuray races for us.
14: Yeah, it's you we've really changed the the, the, um, the components of Trot's talk. It, because it's at 11 o'clock in the morning, the first half an hour is just preview. We just talk getting you a winner. So if you get a bleeding nose on the poop pr- tomorrow, and always bit responsibly, ju- join in, uh, tune in at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, and we will give you as much information as we can about back in the of that day. The back end of the show tends to be about the news and looking more forward. Tomorrow at eight o'clock in the morning, myself and Louis Hume and Watt are previewing Group One Racing out of Hastings. Most importantly, we'll update people at eight o'clock, right off the top of the show, on the track conditions. They are going to be crucial. Also racing at Rickerton tomorrow. Then we bump across our new 9.30 segment, which is always going to be a leading Australian jockey or trainer. Tomorrow morning at 9.30, we're we'll hoping to get Jason Collett, expat jockey who rides Montefilia at randwick tomorrow. So big, big show tomorrow morning, 8 till 10. Those track conditions absolutely crucial. We'll have those updated for people and the scratchings and all the markets for the Group 1. First thing tomorrow
1: morning on SNZ. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, Michael, uh, it's threatening rain here in Hawke's Bay, but it has not started yet, so let's just hope all the forecast is uh, completely wrong and we get a decent sort of a track. Mate, have a great weekend um, over uh, uh, both codes, etc., and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Cheers, uh, Michael. I
14: I hope you take a while, mate. Cheers.
1: Yeah, I will hope to as well. Right, uh, after the break, we shall be catching up with Mark Stafford and Sam Hewitt and I can see them, Uh, they are poised at the Fox and the Viaduct. Uh, Fox and the the Viaduct, they are poised, ready uh, to meet you this afternoon, Aucklanders. If you're in and around the Viaduct, call into the Fox. You can meet staff between 12 and 4 and Sammy Hewitt, Uh, talk a bit of rugby league, if you like. Uh, And then, of course, uh, later in the afternoon, you'll be able to catch up with uh, Kim Downs, Kimberly Downs, and, uh, of course, Stephen Donald, as their show will be broadcast live out of the Fox as well. Staff shortly.
0: Spring is for racing and ECNZ is Kiwi for racing. So join us on the mail run and Good Oil every Saturday for all of the
13: action. Get
5: to this Warehouse and save
0: on. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tyre Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later.
8: Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191.